Number 12, Ryan McDonough to New York. On June 30, 2009, the Montreal Canadiens traded defensive prospect Ryan McDonough to the New York Rangers for Scott Gomez. Although these two players were the backbone of the deal, there were several more pieces involved, as Ryan McDonough was accompanied by Pavel Valentenko, Doug Yannick, and Christopher Higgins, while Scott Gomez was paired with Tom Pyatt and Michael Busto. Welcome, GOAT fans. We are back in the GOAT Raj for episode 13. I'm the big man, and I am joined very special guest. I'm joined by former professional hockey player, one of the absolute North Burnaby goats, Michael Busto, a.k.a. Boosty. Thanks for joining me, brother. Thanks for having me, Loesch. I've uh, been listening to the pod. It sounds like a lot of fun, and uh, I'd love to visit that goat Raj one day. I love the name of it. Oh, man, I've been itching you have on, and absolutely when you're back in town, you got to come to the Goat Raj. We have the best jerseys, memorabilia, artifacts. Like, look at what we got today. Rookie card, Yarmir Yager. In honor of the absolute goal-scoring goat of all pro hockey, he just beat Gretzky. Wow. Nutty. I do and- have a... I got a Yager story if you want it, too, for later. Okay. Remind me at the end. Okay. Okay. So before we get into it, uh, Boosty, I got to highlight what I'm wearing. And then I want to hear what uh, the viewers want to know what you're wearing also. But I got the the yellow jersey with the green trim. Number 10, the absolute, one of the absolute underrated, underrated goats of Brazilian soccer. Kaká. Wow. Kaká, it's a beauty. It's a little tight, but look at that. That slim fit looks good on you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so what do you got wearing a nice I got little yeah uh, i'm supporting the new town uh carolina panthers t-shirt greg olson the tight end he's a legend yeah it, i i always i always tend to uh lean the tight ends as my favorite players but uh, that's because i had a short stint playing football as tight end as well. <laughs> well you know what you were a big dude growing up Let's get into it, man. Um, you played in the WHL at a very young age. You um, you developed quickly. You, you were a massive man, an absolute phenom defenseman. I got to ask you this first, though. What was it like to have a mustache at 10 years old? <laughs> well, I think the mustache really started to kick in at 12. And that's when you can start to see it through my cage. And I think uh, <laughs> at that time, it gave me a nice intimidation advantage when people looked at a guy who's 5'10 and uh, 170 pounds and has a mustache growing through his cage. Uh, people see a lot of space. Absolutely. So the dub, you played at, when you started when you were 15. Yeah, I, I got drafted at 14. Then I got to play... Uh, three games at 15 when, when Moose Jaw was on their U.S. swing. They called me up because a couple guys were away at World Juniors. So I got my first taste of the dub, and uh, I didn't know what I was getting myself into at that time. But, yeah. Uh, three games. Uh, first game, police interrogated me after the game because the guy in front of me speared a fan because he got – throw a beer thrown at him and uh, I was like oh my god where what am I into right now 
What? Oh, so you played for the Moose Jaw Warriors, Swift Current Broncos, and then you ended it off with the Kootenai Ice for three seasons. Where where did yeah. that where did that incident take place? Well, that was Moose Jaw. My I was drafted by Moose Jaw, so I played my first about year and a half there. Yeah. And uh after that US, instead of just sending me from I think it was Portland where we finished to to Vancouver, which would have been a shorter trip, they made me take the bus back from Portland all the way to Moose Jaw, sit Ooh. in a hotel, then fly back from Regina to Vancouver. So I have a lot of hours spent on the bus. Oh, and you know what? Probably some of the best memories on the bus, eh? Yeah, the first trip I remember very clearly because I sat next to a rookie defenseman who was <laughs> six foot nine, 250 pounds. And I was a big kid. I was at that time six one, two ten. And uh, we had to double up. So it was an uncomfortable, I think. It was well over twenty four hour bus trip. Six nine was that Chara or what? That was it was that was the era where they wanted all big guys. But this guy, yeah, I ended up playing as a, as a deep partner with him. But he was he was actually he started in Goon Two. He was that guy oh. who couldn't speak English, the Russian big Russian guy. Oh, we got to get that clip. Yes, <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, like you said, the big men they're kind of dwindling out of the NHL right now. So. Yeah, it's too fast for them, I guess. But uh, I mean, some teams are going back to that big, big man mentality, and we'll see how it works, right? I hope it's so. A copycat I... league. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you must have played. I love. I love to ask this question. You, you must have played with a lot of studs. Who's the goat player you played with or against in the in the in the WHL years? I I think the. Best in the WHL, the best player I played with probably Thomas Fleischman. Ooh. He was super skilled. Um at that time he he dominated the league. He was one of the tops, he was the top scorer in the league. I think he got in some injury problems when he turned when he was in the NHL, so it kind of derailed him. Injuries are tough. But when I was 18, the uh the, there's a lockout in the NHL. So a lot of guys had to stay back and uh, Ryan Getzlav was one of them. And he was just, yeah, he is big. He was strong. He had just mm. silky mitts for the hitmen, right? Yeah. Hitman. He was playing for the hitmen. So it was, it was a lot of fun getting to play against those guys who should have been in the NHL at that time, or at least pushing for NHL spots. The league was really loaded with top end talent. I asked you that because you played with a guy that I thought you would have mentioned, Nigel Dawes. Yeah. 50 goal yeah, he guy. Was good. He was just a natural goal scorer. Like he just scored at will. Like and they're calling yeah. that guy the goat of the KHL. Yeah. He's, I, I, well, I actually, when I was with Montreal for a bit, he was with Hamilton and he just couldn't take that next step to be a goal scorer in the NHL. Yeah. And it's such a, it's such a fine line. I think he scored three, three years in the Western League of 50 goals and like outside. Not a lot of guys can do that, especially in that old school era. No, no, for sure. I remember him in his, uh, you know, you heard his name in the World Juniors often. Yeah, he, yeah, he was, I mean, he, he wasn't like too flashy or had super speed. He just he just knew how to score and consistent. Yeah. And like, he just had a knack for it. Yeah. Speaking of scoring, your last season with Kootenai, you had a beautiful campaign. 20 goals as a as a big steady defenseman uh over 60 points and um 
you know, I could imagine you got a lot of attention from the NHL that year. Yeah, it was funny because going into that year, I was a little frustrated because I'd already played four years and I'd, I'd been a number one D for, I think, the last two years with the Kootenai Ice. And, you know, I was getting passed over and getting invited to training camps and stuff like that. So I was like, what am I doing type thing? And going into my 20-year-old year, I got ended up getting a tryout with Boston and I was working full-time construction and I, I got this <laughs> camp invite in like August. So I'm like, yeah, I'll go. Yeah, so I ended up going, I'm like, yeah, I'll go back to the dub for one more year and ended up having a big year and just enjoyed it. And if you saw my goals, like there's some nice goals, I'd say like, yeah, I joined the rush and, you know, but a lot of ugly goals, like a lot, just shots off of guys. I, I remember that year I scored, I think two goals off of Carl Olsner. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, also another another Burnaby goat that uh, we're looking like uh, we would love to have him on the pod. Yeah, I, I would love. I, I would love to have Osner, you, and the big man in the goat rush. Oh, it'd be nice. That'd be a good session. I think. Also, I'd have to give Osner the gears though, because when I was twenty in playoffs, we collided knee to knee, and he tore my MCL, ending my Western League. Uh, career and I always give it to him when I say I'm like oh, I do oh my gosh I do remember that actually didn't you bust your bicep too yeah it was my second year pro I tore my tricep tendon okay okay so you had that beautiful year 20 year old year what was it like to sign that contract with the New York Rangers beautiful signing bonus yeah, it was, it was, I had been talking to a few teams about a contract and it's funny because I had a friend who was in the same position as me. We're both defensemen looking for contracts. I had got an offer from Nashville, I think Montreal and Dallas. And then I'm like, it just wasn't the offer I was expecting really. Yeah. Yeah. Not to sound cocky, but I'd put up a huge year. I was a first team mm-hmm. all-star in the Western league. So I talked to my buddies like, yeah, I just turned down a contract with the Rangers. I'm like, really? So I call my agent. I'm like, hey, they're looking for a right-handed D. My buddy just turned down the contract. All of a sudden, within like three days, um, they started chatting with my agent. And then after our playoffs, I had torn my MCL. So they flew me out to New York. Uh, and they were in playoffs playing against, I think, the Thrashers. So they, it was my first kind of taste. Coming from Cranbrook, going to New York. You get picked up in a limo. Limo takes you to this nice hotel right across from MSG. Then they took wow. me to a game the first night. And it, at that game, I remember sitting next to some, one of their PR guys. And um, right next to me was Pierre Maguire. And uh, he wasn't working that night. But he has a big Stanley Cup ring walking around with his shoulders out. Yeah, yeah. But they just wanted to check out my knee, make sure it's okay. And it, it was okay, good enough to sign, which was I was happy with because uh, after you hurt yourself, you never know what what teams are going to think. So uh, I was pretty happy to get kind of the contract I wanted. Uh, and being with New York was it was pretty surreal. Yeah, Just a lot of a lot of big names coming from that era. Era, and you know, Yager was there at that time too. Okay, speaking of Yager, why don't you why don't you go into Yager right now? You mentioned that story you had. Yeah, so Yager had retired before was retiring my before i went to camp and uh they posted i remember looking online they posted the roster and yager just a legend is just re- retired from playing there 
and uh, they had the camp roster posted and the numbers of the jerseys. And I was supposed to wear number 68. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, why <laughs> would you put me in 68? Like, get rid of that number. Yeah. So I ended up going to camp and I didn't have to wear 68, but uh, I was like, I was feeling like a lot of pressure. Just having to wear that number would have been, you know, that the best, one of the best players ever wearing it. And then some guy that signed as a free agent, not even drafted. So it was, uh, I was a little nervous walking into that camp. Oh man, that's, that's awesome. You're, yeah, you're talking about a top three goat of hockey right there. Yeah, so I, I ended up coaching with a guy who coached um, Yager in Pittsburgh and he told me a funny story. It was the era that they didn't have to wear helmets for practices or even games really. And he tried to make a rule to his team. He's like, hey, everyone's got to wear uh, helmets to practice. Like I want to practice intense. I don't want guys getting hurt. Yeah. Yager wouldn't do it. He just <laughs> wanted to do his own thing. So finally he kicks Yager out of practice and uh, he he says, put on a helmet or you're done. And Yager comes back 20 minutes later wearing a biking helmet. Biking, bicycle. A Viking, Viking. Oh, Viking. A Viking. Oh. <laughs> so he did practice in a Viking helmet. <laughs> oh. That's a wow. story. He had some good uh, good stories, that guy. Oh, man, that's awesome. Oh, I love Yager, man. Holy. He's still kicking at 50. Yeah, I can't 50 in the in, in Kladno there. Yeah. Um, So one of the highlights, Boosty, this episode's called The Trade. Yeah. You were involved in an absolute blockbuster trade. Um, You know, I got to say this, Mike Milbury, former former GM of the New York Islanders, he was saying it was one of the the worst trades of all time of hockey. But I don't know what he's saying. He's ranked the worst GM, so yeah. he shouldn't talk. Yeah, anyways, worst GM of all time. Absolutely. But I, I we need to know who was involved in this trade and I even heard you once saying, "Hey, I need I want to retire in peace, buddy." To one of your yeah. buddies one time. <laughs> so in that, that trade was from New York to Montreal was Scott Gomez was the main part of the deal. And then me and Tom Pyatt, Tom Pyatt at the yeah. time was like, we'd played in the coast a bit together. Yeah, and He was yeah. an up and down coast, a guy, like good player. Obviously played some NHL time too. Yeah. But yeah. we were just kind of toss-ins and uh, going from Montreal to New York was Ryan McDonough who was playing college at the time, who's, who's you know, an all-star yeah. defenseman and he's, he's unreal. And then Doug Janik, um, I think Pavel Valentenko, and then I think Chris Higgins as well. So yeah. a lot went one way. And then, you know, once Gomez didn't really produce the way they wanted, uh, that trade got some bad press, which my name was tossed in quite frequently. <laughs> and yeah. I, the last time it was, well, I've noticed it, Kind of every time McDonough is in the playoffs, they kind of throw in that trade. So, you know, I'll see my name sometimes thrown across whatever, TSN or, you know, I'll be like, oh, okay. And then one time I was in Mexico. I'd, I didn't even uh, – my contract was over. And I'd been playing – in. I'd finished a year in Vegas. And then I, your your last guest – one of your last guests there, Ned Lukasovic, yeah. sends me a text message because they're talking about how bad that trade was. And I'm like – and I guess Ned's like, oh, buddy, you're trending on Twitter. I'm like, no way. Like, <laughs> like, then I'm like, why don't they just let me retire in peace? Like, because yeah. I was playing in the coast. I wasn't, 
I wasn't pursuing the NHL after that, right? Yeah, whatever, man. I would love to be a part of that trade. That's a yeah, cool story. It, yeah, it's funny, but with, with my last name and people not knowing how to pronounce Busto, yeah. say Busto a lot. They, yeah, that's They true. refer to that trade as a big Busto. So yeah. Kind of, oh. <laughs> that pisses me off. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm going to I'm going to call that this episode that <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm retrending on Twitter again. I'm kidding, brother. But uh oh, that's a good one, man. But um you wanted to continue. Like you said, you played in Vegas after. Man, everyone's played in Vegas. Nucci, Teddy. Yeah. You man, how do you how do you guys play there? So Teddy got me to Vegas. He was yeah. really close with the coach at the time. He had put in a good word, and he ended up getting me there one year. We had an awesome group of guys, and we ended up going to the Kelly Cup finals. And yeah, like we, it was good because we didn't have an affiliate, so so guys weren't bumping around too much. The guys that wanted to be there were there, so we had a close group of guys. And obviously, yeah. like playing in Vegas, like. In the East Coast League and most hockey leagues, you'll you'll have random days off. Like you'll have a Tuesday off or a Wednesday, and then you'll practice Thursday, Friday, and play Saturday, Sunday. Could it just changes from week to week? So if you're in certain towns, like if your Tuesday is your night off, then you're going out. You know, you're hanging out Monday nights, and there's not much going on, especially if you're a young and single guy. Yeah, but in Vegas, it's a different story. Like any day of the week, there's something going on. We're talking about the one of the goat cities on the planet here. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I remember. So for Finucci, he ended up playing there too. Yeah, we were in Alaska, and my coach he was watching the game Alaska Fairbanks Cup, whatever they had there, the the Alaska versus Alaska, and yeah, I yeah, wanted yeah. to get Finucci into our team. So I remember I was just telling all the boys, I'm like, hey, really pump up whatever number it was. I'm like, pump up that guy. Say we need a guy like that. Yeah. So yeah. we're just chatting, making sure the coach can hear. And he's like, the coach after is like, yeah, that Finucci guy's not bad. <laughs> Ends up signing him to a PT or a PTO after, and he brought Finucci down for a little bit. And uh, I think I was injured for a bit, so me and Finucci got to go out a time or two before he got sent back to school. And yeah. one night we're sitting next to the Jersey Shore crew, and oh, you, know, you just see a lot of. A lot of people you run into over there, and it's it's a lot of fun. Oh, it's a blast! It's a blast, man. I know but we got to be careful. We went right? once, like, yeah. If you screw up, like if you don't, yeah. if you don't show up to practice on time, or if you miss a practice because you had a crazy night out, you're out of there. So you had to really yeah. kind of manage what you were doing. Yeah, you got to be a pro, like you guys are yeah. for sure. So, Boosty, you wanted to continue living the dream. You took your talents like King James says, to Europe. Speaking of Kim, King James, he is, tonight, he might break the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's record. It, it might uh, it might change some people's uh, decision on who the GOAT is, but we'll see. Yeah, I wish and, I had a better opinion on that. I like basketball, but... Yeah. I mean, he's a phenomenal... Like, doing what he's doing at his age, too, you're like, how, how on earth is a guy like that this good for so long? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So you went to Europe. Most notably, you had a little stint in Bolzano. Yeah. Um, but then you'd spent five seasons in France. Can you please tell me what, is it Angers? 
Angers. Angers. Obviously. Angers of the of the Ligue Magnus. The Ligue Magnus, yeah. Ligue Magnus. Very cool. How the hell did you end up there? So I got recruited by a coach that had coached against me in the Western League, and he was getting his first – I think it was his first head coach job over there. So he ended up bringing a ton of Western Canadian guys in there. Remind, remi- remind me of his name. I remember him. Jay Verity. Yes. Yeah, he's in the NHL, I believe, right now. I think he's an assistant with Detroit. Yeah, yeah, okay. Awesome coach, awesome yeah. guy. Like the way he coached, his personality, it was just it's just a perfect it was a perfect fit for me. And and you knew the guy was gonna be a great coach. Yeah. Uh, he brought me in there. The way he sold it is like I've gotten a lot of injuries, like you mentioned. I had concussions, tore my tricep, major knee surgery. So like, and then I, even that year in Vegas, my knees were beaten down. Like, I tore my PCL. I had another concussion that year. So I was like, I don't know how much longer I can do this. So I, I let the guy know exactly what how I was feeling, and he's like, Busto, he's like, come over here. Lifestyle's great. You know, after the game, we drink wine, we eat well. That's awesome. So I was already kind of getting sold. He's like, and then there's the schedule. You don't play more than 30 games. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's I'm great. Like, okay. uh, I'll go for sure then. Like, why not go to Europe and play a little longer? And when I got there, the management was good to me for the most part. Outside of some late late uh paychecks we'd receive I, I was willing to put up with that yeah the guy the french guys on the team were like were phenomenal yeah and, and you're around all western you're around like i think there were seven of us westerners who ended up playing there that year and then the next year like jeff may nolan mm. joseph white like all these ex vegas guys came josh london so it's almost like you're home but traveling europe with your buddies for over five years joseph white former Former Langley chief with me. Yeah. Missed oh, yeah. that guy. Yeah. Yeah, he just got married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what about um any memorable stories in France? There's gotta be a few. Oh yeah, I love I mean, we won the French Cup there. Yeah. It was it, it's like this tournament you play against every league, and you only have to win five games. But when you win it, it's there's a game in Paris and it's it's sold out. I think there's 14,000 people. It's like, it feels like an NHL game. Mm-hmm. And we ended up winning, lost my first year. We won the second year. And it was the first time they won in a while. So the way you celebrate, like they celebrate hard. Like we won this thing. We celebrated hard that day, obviously. And then they just celebrated this, this cup and they brought it everywhere in town for over the next two months. Like we had still, we had regular season games going on, but we're drinking beers at <laughs> Of volleyball games and the, the soccer matches like everywhere we took this thing was like another party so that was a lot of fun and yeah. it was just a good group of guys yeah did you get a little taste of coaching there also yeah so that the one year we just had a terrible coach yeah <laughs> he didn't know what he was doing like i don't know how he was a coach but somehow they hired him yeah he was doing a terrible job and I was part of the leadership group at that time. And we sat down with management and we're like, we can't do this with this guy. He couldn't manage the bench. Um, The things he would say to the players on the team was just, it was strange. It wasn't like a leader of the team, like the coach should be. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, we got him kind of 
our assistant coach at the time was an ex-player. He didn't want to be a head coach. I, mm-hmm. I, I grabbed him one day. I said, hey, Simone, like, I'll help you do everything. Like, I was I was by myself at the time, so I had a lot of free time during the day. I said, I'll do video with you. We'll do planning. So that was kind of the first time I got involved in that side. Um, and I enjoyed it. So, uh, and, and we won the French Cup. We went to the finals of the league. So it was a pretty successful team. But yeah. that was the first time I got to really, like, look at video in terms of coaching and and how to manage the group and what you needed to do to prepare before a game. Yeah, so that definitely influenced you to continue. And then you found yourself going across the world (laughs) to Korea. Awesome. What led you there? Um, That must have been quite the experience there. Yeah, when when I had retired, Angers offered me the head coach job. But at that time, I, it just wasn't something I could really do. So I had recommended uh, Brennan Sony for the job, and he's a he's a BC guy. He was coaching with the Everett Silvertips as an assistant, but was looking to move on in the head coach position. I'm going to stop you there. Did he play for the Calgary Hitmen? Because uh, there's a clip of you fighting brother. a Sony. Uh, we have that clip. We're going to oh, play yeah, that. That's his brother. Yeah, okay. <laughs> nice little Tilly in the behind the net there. Yeah, so that was a line yeah. brawl in playoffs. Yeah, a lot yeah. of line brawls in my in my Western League career. But uh, yeah, I recommend this guy. He, he did a yeah. good job. They liked him, so he was kind of thankful for that. And then when I was able to get in coaching and looking to get in, yeah, I reached out to him. He recommended me to go to Korea with Kevin Constantine, who's a, an amazing yeah. coach who I got to work with. That legend. But I was lucky that his assistant had left, and he couldn't find anyone that wanted to go to Korea. For some reason. Yeah, yeah. So I was able to make that move. Um it's coaching with that guy is you know like the amount of work the guy puts in is it's crazy. And it was like an edge I would have done the job probably for not a ton of money just to yeah. get that education on what he knows. Mm-hmm. But the salary ended up being really good and and uh the Korean Korean hockey was good and I got to work with this genius coach who who sees the game so well and he's been doing it for so many years who 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 really pushed me like to be a better coach and learn the game quickly as as a coach right i thought i could always do it but i didn't have any clue that there was that much that went into it so he kind of set me up pretty well for what i'm doing now awesome um i'm so curious you know on goat radio we often talk about food we love topics of food. What were your players in Korea eating for pregame? Like Korean barbecue or? <laughs> oh, they love rice. Like breakfast, yeah, yeah. pregame, they needed some type of rice dish. Yeah. <laughs> they had this this stinky bean that they put on top. But it looked like it was wrapped in cheese. So I'm like, ah, maybe I'll try this one day. This thing, whatever it was, stunk so bad. I could <laughs> never touch it ever again. Yeah. But like, I'm, I'm telling you, I had played in the Western League, the East Coast. I'd been up in the AHL. I'd, I'd been in NHL camps for a, like long periods of time. Nowhere on earth I had seen anyone be treated so well in my life. Like these guys oh. were so spoiled. The oh, nice. spreads on the road were phenomenal. Um, you ate like an absolute king. And when you're a player, like yeah, you, you just wolf it down, go play a, you know, mm-hmm. play 25 minutes a game, burn it off. As a coach, you're like, oh man, it's so good. Like, yeah, yeah. Packing it on. So the second year I figured out I got to start working out more. 
but like I've <laughs> never been treated so well in my life. Korean life, the the apartment they give you is it was amazing. Like a for me, yeah, three bedroom apartment, brand new. Uh, they give you a vehicle. They fill your car up with gas, which they don't even tell you in your contract. They give you a cell phone. They give they gave me this laptop I'm on currently. <laughs> and they pay you on time or early. Like the bonuses were amazing, like huge bonuses for for uh, winning the league and making yeah. playoffs. It was just I, I was so surprised. And and the people are so nice. Oh yeah. And coaching those the Korean players, like they're so studious. Like they want to listen, they want to learn, they don't talk back, like nothing like that, right? Yeah, yeah. And then I also got it like our team was so stacked. Our budget was so big. We had signed guys like, I know you mentioned on your podcast, Alexander Frolov was on the team. I remember that. He was Simone a big Dini. dude, right? Simone, Simone Denis was Simone. on the team. Like we had yeah. just had like six, seven North American guys with AHL experience. Matt Murley from uh, Spitting Chicklets was on the team. Like wow. as an older guy, like he played with Mario and, and uh, Sid both. So like coaching these guys was pretty difficult because yeah. 31 years old, coaching Absolutely. a guy. Pro loves an NHL all-star. So, yeah, I I wonder, did he actually like? Was he like, come on, man, get out of get out of my face, or was no. he a humble guy? Eh, awesome guy. Like, oh, good. Kind of to himself, but like I like Kevin constantly was so intense. I had to do individual video with everyone before every game, so I had to show him a couple clips. And one day I had to tell him to uh, he had to block shots. Alex Frolov is 38 at the time, like, <laughs> playing the he's millions of dollars. Like in Russia, he's dating celebs and like, yeah, like a god over there. Yeah, I'm telling the guy to block shots in Korea. <laughs> so that so that next game, he actually blocks a shot. He looks at the bench and he like does a make sure we because we take the stats for everything. Yeah, make sure we take the stat. He makes a little sign and yeah, such I a do. good guy. Oh man, that's good to hear. <laughs> well, Boosie, man. What a what a cool global career you had, man! And I applaud it. So, so good job. And I, uh, you know, you're continuing to give back and and uh, be in the game you love. And uh, you know, good to you. Thanks. We're gonna have some fun right now, man. Our first segment ever. We're doing goat rapid fire. So give me your your choice, your pick. You can also say next question, whatever you want, okay? But we're going to be a little quick here, okay? Nice. This is going to be fun. Here we go. Crosby or Ovi? Crosby. Hedman or Chara? Wow. Chara. Ooh. Messi or Ronaldo? Messi. Recent recent change after after the World Cup. Okay, so you were you were uh, Cristiano. I was probably linked to Ronaldo before, but now. I'm okay, honest. interesting. King James or Jordan? I'll go Jordan. Okay, what if uh, what if King James beats the record tonight? Does that change? No, I okay. just he was in the prime of when I was a basketball fan, so yeah, can't you can't leave that Space Jam way better than Space Jam too. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Gronk or Kelsey? Gronk. Style points for Gronk. Ooh, I like that. Okay, a little bit of Super Bowl. Chiefs or Eagles? 
not a big football guy as vacation steve knows i get hunted around the fantasy but yeah i'll go eagles eagles yeah i think vacation's going with eagles even though he's saying mahomes is the goat i don't know i don't know but vacation steve the guru the fantasy guru because you're a resident in the states right now trump or biden passing on that one for sure good answer good answer <laughs> Djokovic or Nadal? I gotta support my uh, my Serb family. That's I'll have to go Djokovic. Is that the truth? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Khabib or GSP? GSP. Yeah, I would I... love to see them fight, but I think GSP just he's Canadian too. You gotta I can't knock a Canadian guy like that. Yeah, and he's had the longer reign. I agree. Pizza or sushi? So I'll go sushi. Ooh. How's Italian the sushi? That... <laughs> go ahead. Weird to pick an Italian that goes with sushi, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Is the sushi good where you are right now? There's a couple good places, but you got to pay for it, right? Any, you could get anything you pay for, right? Yeah. <laughs> Coke or Pepsi? Coke. I got to say this. I'm finding a trend here. When someone likes Michael Jordan, they're always picking Coke. Yeah. I'm not lying. That is wow. every, everyone I ask. I don't know what it is, but that's so, that's that's the trend. So what do you drink? Jack and I don't drink any uh, colas. Oh, if you did like what does everyone drink? Jack and what? Jack and Pepsi? Rum and Pepsi? Yeah. That's the only reason. I think if I do have a cocktail, Cokes, I usually don't drink too many Cokes. I know, but, but how, how do you know it's a Coke or Pepsi if, if you're getting it brought to you? Well, I, usually you order the Captain Coke or something like that. <laughs> okay, yeah, we'll move on. So you like Coke. Okay, this one, the vocal trinity. Celine Dion, Whitney Houston, or Mariah Carey? I'll go Whitney Houston. Ooh. Just for that a, one song. I don't we, know even know the name of it, but can we get a, can we get a verse? No chance. Like is is it the uh I wanna dance with somebody? No, or, not that or one. Or is it and uh Yeah, that one. That's that one. The, yeah. That one's yeah, this is legendary. Even when people do that on the voice, I, I still get chills, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Tupac or Biggie? Biggie. Ooh, East Coast. Yeah, hypnotized. It's too good. Okay. Biggest goon you played? It's a lot of them, but I'll give you one that I fought was DJ King. Oh, I remember him. Yeah, if you, you end up being a fighter for a bit for St. Louis. Yeah. Yeah. Was he? Was he? Was he the animal or what? Oh, he ripped. He, I. I had to fight him. Well, it was my draft year, and he grabbed me. He's like, if you want to fight someone, fight me. So I'm yeah. like, whatever. I'll got to fight him. Like, I don't want to look like a wimp in my draft year. Yeah. So I draw my gloves, and I land the first two. And then all of a sudden, he backs up, and he palms my helmet off my head. I'm like, how big <laughs> is this guy's hands? <laughs> oh, man. Some mitts. So he starts pummeling me, and I'm like, okay, get knocked out right now or just take a dive. So I, I, I threw my shots, and... 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, like good. I'm not going to get knocked out here. So and, and you you did that. Down. You did the kind of the fake slip slipperoo. No, I did that. Yeah, I got some weight to me, so I grab on and I just leave. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Okay, continuing. What was your weirdest pregame ritual? Weirdest pregame. Man, it's been a while. Um, I think if you ask my teammates, is I'd always have to take a shit at a weird time, like right after a warm up or something. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. Um, the better hockey market, Korea or Carolina? And just the background, you're in Carolina right now for the viewers. Yeah. And what are you doing there? Yeah, I, I, I coach hockey. I do private development. And a group of us are starting a hockey academy that starts up in next August. Southern Prospects Hockey Academy starts up. A little plug. Perfect. Um, you got to hand him some gift bags, all the players with a nice Goat Radio t-shirt. For sure. Cards, because we're going global. Yeah, we are. Absolutely. I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump on your coattails for a ride. Just be a special guest once in a while. You can be a you could be a goat co-host, man. <laughs> but yeah, I think the market Korea was great to to coach in, but they got no fans. So yeah, Carolina. I know the the local teams here, like Raleigh, uh, Carolina Hurricanes. They get good fans, and same with the AHL team local, the Charlotte Checkers. It's a okay. good turnout. And guys love to play here, so. But just based on fans here. Awesome. How po- by the way, how popular is Rod the Bod? Rod the Bod. I know in in Raleigh, which is about two hours away. He's, Sorry, he's, R- Rod Burndamore for the viewers who don't know that nickname. Yeah, he's pretty popular over there. Yeah, where I'm about two hours away from there. Okay, I know it's, he's got a couple young kids that are pretty good at hockey that are coming up too. Okay, cool. Um, one more question. What did you buy first when you got your NHL signing bonus? Probably bought a MacBook computer, but I bought a bunch of dumb stuff. Like you could talk to Teddy every night out. We'd have a new stupid t-shirt from what? Remember all those t-shirts like Ed Hardy and yeah. Christian. What a waste of money. Christian with the literal, there was necklaces on them and all this fiasco yeah yeah but but my 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 biggest purchase was i got a cadillac cts there you go black 20s and brand new so it was was a nice car i got pulled over all the time when i drove it back to vancouver so what about those two bulldogs bulldogs were a good purchase they were they were pretty cheap they were compared to the cadillac but uh yeah they they lasted a long time 12 years i bought one of them steve bought the other one my bro yeah, yeah. Awesome. Boosty. Pleasure, man. That was fun. Yeah, that was awesome. I cannot wait till you come back here, get you in the goat garage. We talk goats. There's nothing quite like it. I can't wait to get back. I think I'll be back in uh, probably June. End of June. Yeah. When the sun's out. Uh, yeah, you know, it's it's like a windstorm here in Vancouver. I was actually worried I wasn't going to get Wi-Fi and I couldn't do this pod tonight, but it it, it turned out great. Nice. Episode 13, Boosty, one of the absolute North Burnaby goats. Thank you, my brother, for, for joining me today, man. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun.
Awesome. This is the greatest of all time podcast show, Goat Radio. We'll see you very soon. Thank you.